Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 57. That guy, if you're watching on YouTube, smiling with those shiny white pearly teeth is Rick Spielman. I'm Ryan Wilson. And today, Rick, why are you so happy? I, I This redraft thing we're going to do, I don't want to throw a teaser out there, but it's just baffling me. But let's oh, continue on. All right. I'll try to walk you through it. As someone, Debo, Debo's producing as always. You may not know this, Debo, but Rick has more than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings general manager. He does not understand how a redraft works on June 5th on an NFL draft podcast, but we'll hold his hand and we'll walk him through it. Uh, Debo, what are the, the chances he actually understands by the time we're done with this, what we're doing? I mean, I sent this last Wednesday. There was <laughs> six full days to comprehend it. <laughs> All right. Fingers crossed, Rick. My 30-plus years of NFL experience, <laughs> I've never done a redraft, never was able to, never was allowed to. So this is And uh, now you get that opportunity. That's the beauty of working in the media. So you, you tease it there, Rick. But today, we're revisiting the 2020 NFL draft. We'll take a look at my final 2020 mock draft, which it turns out was pretty awesome. I'm happy about that. We'll see which teams crush it, which teams whiffed, and we'll redraft. That means re means do-over. We'll do over the draft for the top 10 picks, and we won't necessarily concern ourselves with uh, which team is picking where. We'll just basically give our big 10, big board. Rick and I will go back and forth with the picks. Uh, I actually went back and, and graded some of these picks, so I, I have my top 15 big board set up. So anything you do, Rick, I'll be able to counter it. I'm going to get some good players. All right, so that's the plan. I think that's pretty straightforward. We'll find out together whether it is. What do you got, Rick? Hey, one question I have before we go down this path. Okay, go ahead is you and Debo are always scheming stuff up. I understand that. <laughs> and I'm kind of like the guy that gets left out of all the conversations. I know. Can I, uh, uh, I'm trying to understand this. Okay. okay. So Debo was singing you praises on nailing the mock draft. My 2020 mock draft the week before this, the actual draft. That's right. Right. So are you getting praised even though they didn't end up, some of them didn't end up being good players? Are you getting praised because you predicted what the teams would do? And then if you predicted what the teams were to do, wouldn't you, shouldn't you be just as ripped as the teams are for missing on that player that you predicted? That is the age-old dilemma of the mock drafter. Do you want to be – so, right, if, let's say you get every pick right, but it disagrees with every – thing that teams did in real time you look like a, an idiot right in real time because you didn't get anything right but three years out maybe you're proven to be the genius because you had the picks where they're supposed to be or do you want to be the guy who knows exactly what the teams are thinking and you nail every pick uh over the actual draft weekend but those picks all end up being bust so ideally you want to be the smart guy but in real time no one cares they think you're an idiot because it doesn't agree with what anyone else did you understand what i'm saying yeah, I just don't understand. I'm trying to learn this mock draft thing, which is. Yeah. Here's uh, all you need to know about mock drafts. Yeah. Were you trying to predict what teams were doing or were you trying with, because I respect all the hard work. And oh, I haven't heard that one in a while. This thing, <laughs> trying to predict that this player may go here, yeah. but I don't agree with it because I don't think he's a good player. Yeah, no, that's right. So typically I try to go with what I think teams are going to do when I do these mock drafts and since I've been doing this, I usually do one about every week, which is insane over the course of the the fall and into the, in the weeks leading up to the draft. I try to do what I think teams are going to do. 
the last week, and I stole this from Pete Prisco because Pete does this. Pete goes, Pete does a uh, what teams should do draft based on what he thinks is the best in their best interest. And I do that too. I ripped that off from him. And I started doing it, not the 2023 draft, but the 2022 draft. So I can only go back two drafts to, to look at how that went. And, but that's a fair point. And that's an important point is as, you know, as serious as you can get about mock drafts, but the underlying issue, uh, the underlying reason for mock drafts is because people read them and they get angry and then they, you know, that leads to debate in quotation, quotation marks, but so you, you to create debate. You raise a fair question. I'm just trying to be the facilitator of <laughs> making people smarter. How's that going? Yeah. Well, Okay, whatever whatever you are paid to get accomplished on this mock draft stuff is just baffling to me. And Pete's what teams should do is even worse than what they shouldn't do. <laughs> but he tries, and so that answers your 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 one of your right. concerns, right? And the so great- I did the mock drafts with you this year, right? Mm-hmm. So you didn't tell me like a week or two before the draft you were doing what teams should do. No, that's the one I put out on the website on cbsports.com. That wasn't one of the any of the ones that we did together. We didn't do that together. No, that's strictly something that I do uh, that I publish on the website. No. Well, as I continue to hopefully learn and, and progress in this profession, yeah. that maybe I can be included in that someday. All right, Debo, I, I want you to refresh my memory because maybe I'm misremembering. I believe I asked Rick to do at least one mock draft. Do you remember what he said to me? Uh, I don't get paid for that. <laughs> I believe that is right. That is correct, Devo. And guess what you just won? A Paramount Plus subscription. Because <laughs> oh, you got the answer correct today. Rick's talking out of both sides of his mouth. I will happily include you, Rick, but you have to be a willing participant. I can't just say, hey, Rick, let's do a mock draft, and you don't do it, and then it magically appears. So it's a, it's a two-way street. Okay. I just don't know which mock draft you're doing. Now I'm really confused. Are you doing what teams should do, what teams are going to do? I, I don't know. I'm at a loss. That's okay. We got you. We got you back. Right. We're, we're te- teamwork makes the dream work. So you're all set here. All right. right. I'll, I'll let you know specifically what we're doing and when we're doing it. But first, oh, by the way, later this week, we're going to go around the league. And this is pretty straightforward. I think this is something you probably did in your job in the front office and see how the uh, the rookies are doing during OTAs. You you probably went down to practice. You go to OTA practices to check that out. Oh, yeah. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. So you were there checking out the rookies, seeing what you did right. I probably have some, oh, my God, moments. What do we do? Why do we draft this guy moments as well? Uh, But we'll talk about that on Thursday. And if you missed it last week, what did we talk about, Rick? 2023 draft lessons. So things that appear to be trends that perhaps are happening the last few drafts. Maybe they'll continue to happen. Maybe teams are going in a different direction in terms of players they think are most valuable or have lesser value now. And also we have a Memorial Day mailbag in the feed. So check all those things out. As always, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. Give us a little thumbs up while you're there. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a five-star review. All right, Rick, you've already given us some of your concerns. I have a, a concern or at least an update I want to get from you. How's the uh, How's the golf game going? Last week, you shot both an 83 and an 84, getting me $1 on my uh, dollar bet tracker. So I was happy about that. You got the under of 84 and a half at one point, at any point over the summer. What's the update? Uh, 89. So I wanted to get my dollar back. So now I know. Uh, <laughs> you don't get your dollar back. <laughs> get my dollar back. <laughs> no, I said if you shot under 84 and a half at any point over the summer, because you had so little faith in your game a few weeks ago. You were so frustrated, spending hours at the range, taking lessons beating balls. Um, the other bet, I don't know if you remember this, is that your total score over the summer would be, I think, 89 or 89 and a half. So you're under 89 and a half for sure, under 89 too. How does how do you feel about that bet? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm betting, but I have to know what the odds are. So I, the only thing I was focused on is I lost a dollar last week. So I wanted well, to make sure that I was trying, but I just couldn't get under the 84. So I shot an 89, which the only positive thing is that <laughs> I won my dollar back. All right, Debo, something else we have to do later this summer is explain to Rick how betting works. You already lost a dollar. You're not getting the dollar back. Get out of here. Uh, oh, more importantly, did you get your Paramount Plus subscription working? No, it does not work. I, I keep getting my final warning on <laughs> signing up for Paramount Plus, and then they give me these bundle packages and you, there's a great deal on there if anyone needs paramount plus go to it and subscribe because you get plus showtime on it and I think yeah the 
three months are only five ninety nine or something. Showtime is great. I put in the uh, fake code that Debo sent me, and it keeps <laughs> rejecting me every time I put that fake code in. Rick, I have a challenge for you. I want you to go back, find this episode on YouTube, which is a challenge in itself, and then use the QR code that's in the top right corner right now to get Paramount mm -hmm. Plus full yeah, free. I have, oh, up the what? Yeah, use your phone. Take a picture of that. I'm you sure you've used it. it at a restaurant. No, I have not. This no, I showed I, I showed him how to use it on the road. Looking for the menu. Yeah, get the QR code. Just let the let the camera do the thing. Then you hit the little yellow bar underneath it. It just says I just took a picture of a screenshot. Oh, it's not working, Debo. Oh boy. All right. I'm starting to get an indication as to why your Paramount Plus subscription is at work. Just send me a code. I want it fair and square. Send me a code. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Debo, get on the uh, Paramount Plus, get the tech tech support on the line because Rick is getting fired up here. <laughs> He's done being Mister. No, I'm getting I'm getting uh, because I think if I put this code in, then I'm going to get the free sample, but yeah. then I'm going to get charged three months from now. Debo's up. Can you confirm that? I can't confirm or deny. All right. All <laughs> right. We'll get you. We'll get you taken care of, Rick. Uh, <laughs> fingers crossed. All right. Let's get to this. If you're uh, listening on the audio version, you should just go watch YouTube to see Rick try to work a QR code. It's not working. Okay. All right. Let's go. All right, let's do it. Back on track here. All right, so let's talk about this 2020 draft. That was, and you we've talked about this in previous podcasts, how you wanted to stockpile a bunch of day three picks because you didn't know how uh, the sort of sprint to undrafted free agency was going to work. So you guys stockpile a ton of picks uh, with the Vikings, but that was the COVID year. We went to the combine. You were there too, obviously with the Vikings, but we were there with CBS sports HQ. Talk to no combine. All it was, was a medical combine that year. So no one. Did. No, no, that was 2021, 2020. That was before everything shut down. Oh, that was before everything. Shut yeah. Down. Cause we talked to Justin Jefferson. We had him on set. Like we did last um a few months ago when, when you were with us, we had all those guys come through, uh, Justin Herbert to, uh, Joe Burrow. They all came through and, um, and then days, weeks later, everything shut down. So Debo put this in a rundown and we'll go over it again. Since we're talking the 2020 mock draft, how different was that? Because we've seen clips and Debo's played clips of, of you and Mike Zimmer on the zoom call together when the Eagles took Debo's favorite player, Jalen Rager. And you seem pretty excited about that. So doing things remotely, uh, the first question I have to ask is who set up all the cameras and the equipment in your house? Cause it wasn't you. No, I had no <laughs> chance. <laughs> I had no chance. It was amazing though. What our IT department came up with and I called it the IT draft because yeah. of all the technology that had to go into that. I know, um, I believe that was a year we locked ourselves in a hotel room before the draft. We thought we were able to go in, be able to use a ballroom but the then the league came out and said you can't use a ballroom because you can't gather so mm -hmm. me and my uh, assistant gm at the time george payton who's a gm out in denver moved into the jw marriott uh and mall of america Swanky. in uh, minneapolis and it was 17 floors and we were the only two people in there i was gonna say they were actually open they had they were open but there was no one in there but they right. did have because it was kind of close to the airport in case there was any travelers, but it was uh, very different. We had to get technology because everybody was remote. The coaches, all the people that were involved in the draft process had to tie in and we, I didn't have enough bandwidth at my house. So that's why mm. we used the Marriott during gotcha. the meetings, they had better bandwidth and we were able to push out video in real time. So as we were sitting there watching players and, doing our group studies, uh, we were able to do that. I would control the remote from the hotel. And it was real time when everybody was seeing. Like so your old just, Blesto days. You had to get to the yeah. uh, the clicker early. Yeah. So, well, I was the only one with a clicker. No one else could, could control that. But there was technology there that was incredible because when you try to push video out, if you don't have the right technology and bandwidth and you're trying to study tape, it's delayed on everybody else yeah. watching it or right. it skips. So we had to have whatever they came up with. This technology was able to make the video not skip 
and able to watch it in real time as I clicked it back and forth. Everybody else was seeing the same thing. So how long were you in that hotel? Because you did the draft from your house. 30 days we moved in. Holy Moses. Did you get to go home or you couldn't leave? I left. Uh, I'd sneak home for Sunday dinners. Okay. Uh, and then go back. But I was scared to death. And most people were that, yeah. God forbid, right before the draft back then, if you got COVID and you couldn't do the draft because you had COVID, that would have been a uh, pretty tough, tough deal there. So we were overly cautious on not only making sure that we were isolated in that hotel, uh, but even when I came home, I wanted to make sure that uh, everybody was safe and, and healthy uh, when I when I snuck out for uh, Sunday night dinners. But six days of the week, uh, we were uh, locked into that hotel. Oh, my gosh. You must have did a lot of walking on the treadmill or something. You didn't go crazy? No, yeah, they had uh, a chain and a padlock on the weight room and on the entrance into the Mall of America. So everything was, uh, did a lot of walking outside uh, to get some exercise. And then my exercise was walking up and down 17 floors to go. <laughs> so, you know what? The one thing that made me really focus, you didn't want to leave everything up in your room when you came down to start the meeting. <laughs> you knew you'd have to walk up another 17 flights to go, to go get whatever you left up in your room. But Not we had to... Yeah, special room that they set up for us. Um, we were the only people there, so the chef would come in, and we had a uh, concierge, oh, and uh, they would come in and get what our breakfast order was. I did my favorite sandwich they were able to uh, come up with, and my favorite breakfast was egg in a hole. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of egg in a hole. Is that like in uh, in bread? Yeah, they fry the they fry the. They put out a little hole in a piece of bread, fry it in <laughs> butter, and then fry the egg and top the hole. And then the uh, breakfast sandwich was uh, English muffin with fried egg, uh, bacon, and peanut butter. On the same sandwich? Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's I highly recommend it. Um, I would also recommend that you get that concierge to help you hook up Paramount Plus because I think I know where the issue is. <laughs> All right. My wife referred to them. They were my au pairs for a month. Yeah, for real. I mean, no wonder you, you struggle with Herber and all that other stuff when you got to, to be a civilian. All right, Debo very thoughtfully put my 2020 mock draft uh, on the rundown here. We'll take a look at that. And the questions he asked, not not so great. Um, he said, did he get worse as a mock drafter after this draft, which is, sounds like something you would have written, Rick, but whatever. All right, so top three picks were correct. Joe Burrow to the Bengals, Chase Young to Washington, and then Jeffrey Kuda to the Lions. Correctly had Tua going five to the Dolphins. Had C.J. Henderson, the cornerback, going to the Jaguars at nine. I'm going to roll. Anytime you want to applaud, Rick, feel free. Had Justin Herbert dropping to the Jaguars at 20. Don't applaud for that. Um, and had Justin Jefferson at 22 to the old Minnesota Vikings there. Um, had Patrick Queen to the Ravens. Did you wait? Did they have you have two first round picks that draft? Yeah. Okay. And I, I as well. I had Gladney. Look at that. I had Gladney going to the Vikings at 25. What? What do you what do you think of this? <laughs> I don't know. Is it good because some of them were not good players, or is it good because you were predicting where they would go? I still well, don't know that concept. I got and let me ask you this, just generally. Did you guys study the quarterbacks at all? You must have, right? Yeah, we didn't spend much time on it because I think that's we had just signed Kirk Cousins to right. Deal. What did you think of Justin Herbert? Because I I got and look, I take full responsibility. I try to apologize for this as often as possible. I got fooled by the offense he was in and the fact that he didn't set the world on fire last year at Oregon. And I thought maybe he might slip a little bit. Where did you guys come down on Justin Herbert compared to the we, the? we liked him, and then one of the reasons that really stuck out, I believe was at the Rose Bowl where it wasn't his throwing as much as how many yards he ran up and down the field. Yeah. All of a sudden you've seen this big kid that was very athletic um, that you still didn't know for sure about the accuracy as a passer and in that system coming out, but there was no question about his athleticism and how he could make plays with his feet. So just making you, putting you on the spot here. If you had the you had the twenty second pick, let's say you needed a quarterback, let's say Justin Jefferson was already gone, and you had Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts there, who you've talked about before, loving a lot. Who would you have taken? Do you think? 
Probably Herbert. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you're going to try to fib your way into taking Jalen Hurts. No, I'm not going to lie. We we had <laughs> we we, we love Jalen Hurts though. Yeah. So you weren't shocked that he went in the second round because a lot of media not at all. Were nope. And Debo, I know I asked you, were you shocked that Jalen Hurts went in the second round to a team that had a quarterback? I think we were all a little surprised, but how he was just building that quarterback factory. <laughs> Howie's biggest fan, Debo. All right. So, yeah, that mock draft was an absolute banger, as the kids say. Uh, don't look at my other mock drafts. Let's not talk about those. But let's take a quick break, and then we'll do the redraft. We'll take the break to explain to Rick one more time how this redraft's going to work, and we'll do it right after this. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. All right, Rick. All I we're did doing? watch CBS Sports Network, and I watched uh, New York Liberty. And they were putting a whomping on the Chicago Sky pretty good this weekend. All right. There you go. Rick doesn't have Paramount Plus yet, but he does have access to CBS Sports and CBS Sports Network and uh, the parent CBS. So uh, that's good news. And by the way, next weekend, next Saturday, UCL Championship, Champions League. I Man know. City. Who's Man City yeah. playing? Not uh, is it Madrid? No, AC they, Milan. AC Milan. Oh, AC Milan. Oh. God, that's going to be huge. Yeah, Man so did beat Man United in the uh, FA Cup this past weekend. That's right. On another number, another network. I actually watched that game on Saturday. That was fun. So uh, the end of the Champions League next Saturday. So we'll remind you of that on Thursday. All right, redraft, Rick. It's pretty easy. Here's what Debo said: Come prepared with a big board. And that's it. Who'd you draft to build your franchise? It's not complicated. We're not going to go by teams. We're going to go by names. Not one name being Rick. One name being Ryan. And we know three years out how good these players are. And um, I would offer to give you some help, but I got my big board set. So you have the first overall pick. Your team with no players on it. Who are you taking? Burrow. Easy. <clears throat> okay. That is pretty easy. We just talked about this guy. So my big board, as I redrafted, three quarterbacks, one, two, and three. And then a wide receiver tackle quarterback. So enough of the suspense. I'm going with Justin Herbert. All right, so you have a quarter. That I guess was you, Washington's pick. Yeah, but we don't have teams in this one, but it was Washington's pick. I, I did teams because it wasn't explained to me. Okay, so, I know. Well, Detroit you can listen. has the next pick at number three. But here's the thing. You're building a team from scratch. You can call yourself the Detroit Lions if you want to. But but I also <laughs> want to say you're not building an, an individual team. Like if, if you had the three pick and you wanted to take another quarterback, you can do that right here. Which okay. you probably should. Yeah. I'm not. I'm take. I'm Detroit Lions. <laughs> I love he has his own rules. Uh, and I'm taking Justin Jefferson. Oh, look at this guy! He's staying faithful, Debo. All right, I got to mark on my my board here who guys are off. So, all right, that's fine. If Debo says we're just taking best players, then I'm going to go right down my board. I'm not going to. I'm not going to reach for a player. I got all my players clustered, Rick. Because I took this seriously, this exercise. I wasn't playing golf and cutting grass. I'm taking Jalen Hurts. Wow. Boy, is that the armchair quarterbacking? I will Rick, say. I want to ask truthfully, like if you put this in front of GMs and you gave them a choice in 2023 to add Jalen Hurts to the roster or Justin Jefferson, how many do you think are taking each guy? They may take the quarterback first. And, and uh, Rick, just so you know, on my 2020 redraft big board, Justin Jefferson was number four. I had him fourth overall. So, I mean, you're not that far off. 
that makes you feel better. I'm sure. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> I can sleep tonight. That's all I wanted to hear. All yeah. right. You're up. The next best player, or if you're picking for whatever team, pick fifth. I'm picking okay. for the Miami Dolphins next. At all right. Who are you taking? I am taking Justin Herbert. I already took yeah. him at second. Number two. Uh, I am taking Tristan Wilfs. Tristan Wirfs. He was number five on my big board. You're pretty good at this, Rick. <laughs> Just guessing. All right. So I'm on the board again. I'm going to take another quarterback. I, I think, and this is going to be controversial. I have a tackle um, in terms of where my big board lays. I have a quarter, a, a cornerback, excuse me. But I'm going to, I got to trust my board, Rick. I'm going with Tua Tonga Bailoa. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, that's good. Hey, let me ask you. Right, that was the Chargers. They need a quarterback there. If you so. feel like divulging, did you have Tua ranked ahead of Justin Herbert um, a few years ago? Uh, I have to go back and look. They were they were pretty close with okay. each other, to be okay. honest with you. All right, all right, you're up for whatever order you're trying to do this in. Best uh, player, it's Carolina Panthers pick. It's number okay. seven. Are you taking and Derek Brown? <laughs> I'm taking Derek Brown, and I'm going to stick with what they took. <laughs> Debo's pulling his hair out right now. Right. There's no, there's no direction on this thing. I just try to figure it out on my own because I get I no direction. I know. Derek Brown was tenth on my big board. All right, next up, I am taking number seven on my big board. This is a steal, Rick. He's actually coming to his own after uh, you know struggling through year one and then figure things out. Andrew Thomas tackle end up going to the Giants. Okay, number nine. Is that what we're on? Yep. That was the Jacksonville Jaguars pick that year. They took C.J. Henderson in, in real life? Yes, and I am taking C.D. Lamb. Oh, gosh. You're you're good at this. He was number nine on my big board redraft. Unbelievable. Are you cheating on my paper, Rick? I didn't even know you had a paper. And then I do. And at number eight on my big board redraft, big board, <laughs> A.J. Terrell. Oh, that was a good one. That was my next guy. So there you go. And um, and then did you write these down or are you going off the top of your head? Because I was going to ask you, when when did your first running back come off the board? Uh, I, I didn't go down that far. The assignment was to go through the first 10 picks. I had but... Jonathan Taylor at 11. I'll tell you mine. You can tell me what you think. Derek Brown, who you took at the Carolina Panthers. I had him at 10 on the redraft big board. Jonathan Taylor at 11, so that's the first running back. T. Higgins at 12. Do you think that's too soon for T. Higgins, middle of the first rounder? Mm, not the way he's played. Right. He was better than a second-round pick. And then uh, Jedrick Wills had him at four, 13. That might be a little rich, but I, I, I like him. Who? Jedrick Wills out of um. Oh, the uh, tackle Cle Cleveland, Alabama? Yeah. Yep. Trevon Diggs at 14. Is that too rich for Trevon? Mm-mm. And here's the, uh, here's the uh, wrench in the machinery, just in terms of being sort of out of left field. Alex Highsmith, 15. Okay, well, then we're out in left field. He's had 22 and a half sacks. He's had more sacks than anyone in that draft class. That's great. <laughs> Our I know he's had some injuries. Where would Chase Young be? That's the thing, right? So would you take – okay, knowing everything we know now and you're starting your team, you need an edge rusher for next season and the contracts are the exact same, um, whatever, three years, $9 million, doesn't matter. Are you taking Alex Highsmith or Chase Young? Chase Young. Really? All right, explain that. Because I think he's going to be come off uh, the ACL. He was injured last year and still wasn't uh, complete. So I'm going to say Chase Young okay. will be a better, by the end of his career, better than Alex Highsmith. Okay, all right. So Alex Highsmith was a third-round pick, third-round, 102nd overall pick. How Would you take him in the first round now, like bottom of the first or something? Yeah, I'd probably take a swing at him there. Okay, the all right. Second. So not too crazy. All right, Debo, why don't you grade Rick's performance on the redraft? He tried. <laughs> <laughs> he did try. <laughs> Another question, Debo. Uh, rank the redrafts. Who has the best team? You have Jalen Hurts, so I'm going to give you the win. There it is. <laughs> Pretty easy, Rick. You got yeah. to play to your audience. I know. I got a quarter franchise quarterback, a franchise receiver, <laughs> a franchise tackle, a franchise defensive tackle, which is rare to find. And then another receiver to go along with Justin Jefferson. So Burrow's thrown to Justin Jefferson, 
and C.D. Lamb. Oh, man. All right, fair enough. I'll give you that. I'll but, give you that. But that uh, maybe one of the most – I'll just leave it. That was very weird. <laughs> what was weird about it? People – like uh, – and we'll talk about this in a second. Pete goes back and grades the drafts from three years ago because that gives you an opportunity to see – what worked and what didn't, because as you pointed out earlier, rightfully, when you do it in real time, you're just throwing stuff against the wall. We have no idea. We did a whole draft show moments after the draft about, oh, this team has an A, this team has a B minus. What part don't, what part bothers you? So like Pete's redraft and your redraft, now that you know the A players, you're putting them with the teams, but you didn't know the teams, if they, that was their need back then. I went back and studied the needs from 2020. Oh my gosh! <laughs> hey, I'm, listen, just, let, I'm trying to make it as realistic as possible. Let me explain. Uh, let me explain it. something to you, Rick. You're in. Uh, inter, you're in. Uh, what's the word? Uh, dumbed down arithmetic, and you're trying to do advanced calculus. Just, <laughs> just do the do the assignment. All right. We're asking for addition, subtraction. We're asking you to to integrate and and differentiate. Just. All right. Here's some fun facts that Devo came up with, by the way. Um, and I'll let you guess because you like guessing the stuff you don't have any idea about. Yeah. <laughs> How many pro bowlers so far from the 2020 draft class? Let me see in Debo. Oh, I didn't have Debo's notes. Oh. Uh, five. Are, are you looking at the sheet of paper? No, I remember reading it, but I don't know. Five multi-time pro bowlers, 13 pro bowlers so far. Justin Jefferson, not surprisingly among them. Tristan Wirfs, Trevon Diggs. Devin Duvernay, which is uh, an interesting selection. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit more when we talk about teams that we liked and teams that we didn't like. But the Ravens had a ton of draft picks that year, similar to the, the Vikings. They took Duvernay to the third round. Um, hasn't really progressed as a receiver so much, but he has been a returner and a really good returner. And perhaps most impressively, and I mentioned this to you a few weeks ago just in general, he didn't return punts in college, became an all-pro punt returner in the NFL, which seems impossible, right? Yeah, no, it doesn't if you uh... – Look at the return stuff and what he did coming out of Texas because you knew that uh, he was a little unpolished as a receiver, but he was an explosive athlete. And then I have a question on when you're breaking down these pro bowlers, was it first ballot pro bowl or was it alternate pro bowls? Because a lot of times these guys get pro bowls, but they weren't first ballot pro bowls. So how right. are you breaking that down? History doesn't remember the alternate. If you're an alternate or if you're a first ballot, you go into the Hall of Fame. They're not like, oh, this guy made it in as an alternate in 2002. It's just Pro Bowler. Okay, uh, there. Again. No, it's crazy. Mitch Trubisky has a Pro like Pro Bowl isn't a great indicator, but uh, just a, just a fun fact, Rick. Go with it. I can't go with it. It doesn't. You got to have factual evidence behind it. Was it? Well, was I, you would agree. All pro or was he a Pro Bowler that was an alternate? All pro is more important than pro bowler in terms of. Yes, because I know and, putting in these pro bowl incentives. Or I was going to ask you. That's why you're mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it was an alternate, it didn't count. So you would an agent ever try to say just pro bowl period? And you'd say no, oh, no. It's in the language. First, like the, team, first ballot pro bowler. Okay. First ballot all pro. It was an alternate pro bowler. So you can say and argue, well, <laughs> he's was a pro bowler, but in the contract, he's not getting his incentive because it wasn't first ballot. So five first team all pros, which is the the measure by which you go. Again, Justin Jefferson, five. Um, it, it was a first team all pro. Tristan Wirfs, Devin Duvernay again, Trevon Diggs, and Taylor. Who's Taylor? The Jonathan Taylor, the running. Oh, Jonathan guy. Taylor. Good lord. God. I know. I got, I got confused there. Um, seven players that played in all 50 games. Again, Justin Jefferson. I swear, Rick, you might be – if you're only known for one thing, it should be Justin Jefferson because that was an absolute grand slam. What's the worst thing about Justin Jefferson? Is there anything that – like, have you ever done the gritty? Let me ask you that. That's – uh, I tried it once. <laughs> How'd it go? It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so Patrick Queen has also played in all 50 games. Robert Hunt, the interior um, – Offensive lineman for Miami out of Louisiana, John Runyon Jr. Look at that, D-Bud. Isaiah Simmons, interestingly, has played in all 50 games, um, even though he's struggled at times in Arizona to find a sort of a, a, a niche spot for him. Cole Komet, the tight end out of Notre Dame in Chicago, and Blake Ferguson. Love it. All right. Take another quick break, and then we'll come back, and we're going to look at that 2020 Vikings draft that was uh, perhaps one of the best. 
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! If you're listening to us, you just missed an awesome commercial. College football, Rick, is coming to CBS Sports via the Big Ten this season. Is the Big Ten on CBS or is it only on Paramount+. Plus? I think it's on both. It'll probably almost certainly be on CBS. I think we're easing our way into it. The official um, full-time Big Ten starts in 2024. We'll still do do some SEC games in 2023, but I would imagine you'll also be able to view it on Paramount Plus if you are a cut quarter, a cord cutter, as they call it. Uh, So look for that. And who knows, Rick, fingers crossed, maybe me, you, and Debo will be on the road somewhere in the fall doing the old With the the First Pick podcast from uh, some Big Ten location. What do you think of that? On Paramount Plus, I won't be able to see it or my family won't. (laughs) The only way you get to see it is if you do it live. So you have to be a part of the production in order to view what's going on. Um, And remember, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL and CBS. And please give us a thumbs up, leave a comment, subscribe, all those great things. All right, Rick, let's look back. This Vikings draft. Prisco, in real time, gave the overall class an A for 2020. And then three years later, he gave it a B plus. I think after meeting you, he was soured on the idea that this this class was as good as he perhaps thought it was. But uh, all right. So at the top of the list, of course, no surprise, Justin Jefferson. Debo, I know I asked you this again, but to refresh your memory, did you want Justin Jefferson at 21 for the Eagles? Um, no. Yeah, yeah I did. Oh. Uh, I, I actually was not furious at Jalen Rager and I turned out to be completely wrong, but I wanted Jefferson first. Okay. The guy that I wanted the most heading into that draft was, uh, was actually Judy or Ruggs. Oh, Oh, interesting. And they were both off the board by the time the Eagles and and obviously the Vikings picked. Uh, Rick, do you want to give us your cluster of wide receivers or how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, the other guy, after those guys came off the board and CD lamb, went to Dallas. That was another one that we liked. Um, you know, Rager, I'll just have to say the, the biggest concern was some of the drops that we saw on tape, but okay. he was athletic. And the other thing that we thought, and I think a lot of people thought that he may have some return skills uh, to also add to his value. But the other guy we really liked was Ayuk, uh, who oh. was coming out to Arizona State, I think played one year at Arizona State. You can see the athletic traits. He reminded me a little bit of Stefan Diggs's body movement mm. and route running ability. Uh, he had a lot of technical things to work with, but athletically, I thought he had some similar traits to that. Um, even I went back in a little bit back in the day when I was in Miami and Chris Chambers in him just saw yeah. his length and his ability to adjust to the ball. So we were. Uh, we liked Ayuk was up in that mix with those receivers as well for us. Just thinking back back about Chris Chambers when I was younger, my memory is he wasn't necessarily tall, but he had really long arms is how he played, it felt like. Extremely long arms. Didn't have a lot of production coming out of Wisconsin. Uh, then had a couple of really good years for us down in Miami. Yeah. Now, I liked um, Brandon Ayuk as well. And so you weren't surprised at all. I believe the 49ers traded up for him to get him at the bottom of the first round. So that didn't surprise you in the least. No, not at all. Gotcha. All right. And then, oh, and Debo notes here, Vikings, you, you had traded Stefan Diggs on, on, on March 20th as well. So you had wide receiver, obviously, uh, at, the top of the, at the top of the to-do list. And you can actually read, I think in The Athletic, you did a breakdown of how the Stefan Diggs trade came about. And that's actually, that was an interesting read. Is that The Athletic? Uh, I don't know. I <laughs> you just answer the phone and answer questions. Answer the phone and answer questions. <laughs> yeah, but that it, it felt like it, I think it, it was the athletic. Yeah, yeah. They, did, they did a great job with that story. Yeah, and it seemed like both sides um, were 
professional and you, you were able to accommodate him. And I'll just ask you, how often does an agent or a player, I would imagine typically it's the agent that, that lets you know a player wants to be traded or does a player ever initiate that conversation? It's usually through the agent. So does that happen once a week, once a month, once a season? Or depends, just depends on the yeah. play time and, you know, you deal with it all the time. It's right. not first or the last. All right. And your second first round pick was Jeff Gladney, the cornerback uh, who sadly has passed away. Was cornerback uh, definitely a need there, or it was just a matter of the cluster? We were looking to add uh, another corner, especially a guy that we felt would have the ability to play in our scheme from a Knicks standpoint. And he had a pretty good first year. Uh, unfortunately, he had some you know issues, and he he's passed away. So, uh, but I, we thought that he had a legitimate chance because I thought he was a pretty good corner down at uh, TCU. Really yeah. good. Undersized but incredibly tough, and and he played much bigger than than his size when he was on the field. Ezra Cleveland was your second round pick, and you know you gave me a hard time about Blake Freeland, uh, but they're similar type players in that they're long and and they needed to add weight. So does that mean you really like Blake Freeland? Well, he, Cleveland was a little more athletic than Blake Freeland, in my opinion. Freeland to me was more of a right tackle, but may potentially move inside to guard. But Ezra, we. Uh, we were in that outside zone scheme and yeah. uh, with Gary Kubiak. So they were looking at these leaner athletic linemen that would fit the scheme better. And he checked all the boxes uh, from fitting that athletic standpoint uh, that they, that we moved into guard. And then you got Cam Dancer. I remember watching him Mississippi state, right? Yes. Long. Um, he didn't run a four three, but I thought he was pretty physical and you drafted him. I would imagine backup in mind, but perhaps some ability to start. Yeah. And he had some games where he was a legit starter, you know, and then uh, had some durability issues. Uh, so I think he uh, was claimed by the red of the commanders. And I think he uh, was just let go. Oh, I didn't know that. So they just let him go recently. DJ Wanham yeah. was the next pick in the fourth round. And I'll go through a couple of these fourth round picks and you can highlight uh, any of the names you want. James Lentz, the defensive tackle out of Baylor and Troy Dye, the linebacker out of Oregon, I believe, right? Yeah, all guys that we felt were great depth for us. Like DJ can add his pass rusher. James Lynch was had an incredible productive uh, career at Baylor, rushing the passer. We uh, bulked him up and put him inside as a nose tackle. Tough as nails, kid. Uh, Troy Dye was an undersized athletic linebacker. A lot of these guys, when we looked at them, when you're adding in the on Saturdays, um, we always looked at their ability to potentially help us on special teams and um, guys that had some unique traits that we could try to develop. And if you're watching on YouTube, you see a, a comment from our good buddy, Will Brenson. Remember the old pick six podcast. Uh, I think he's joking, but it could be serious. Rick, did Mike Zimmer's contract include a demand to draft a cornerback in the first two rounds every single year? <laughs> we never had enough corners. <laughs> is that, is that straight for Mike? That's crushers. That was a lot of coaches. <laughs> um how much I've, I've talked to people uh when we talk like to the alabama players for example especially on the defense side of the ball they say that nick saban is very much involved xavier mckinney in particular said as a defensive backs coach his training nick saban he was always involved and in yelling and screaming at, at what he wanted to happen was mike zimmer that way in terms of what was, was going on very, defensively yeah very good unbelievable defensive-minded coach um very good with corners, had a lot of success with uh, a lot of DBs, and he was pretty hands-on with the secondary in uh, trying to develop these guys. All right, so interestingly, Harrison Hand, fifth-round cornerback, and then K.J. Osborne, which turned out to be a really good pick. I'm just looking at the draft as it unfolded in real time here. Three picks before the Bears got Darnell Mooney. Was Darnell Mooney on your list? Or, again, you say this all the time, you're sort of throwing darts. Now, you know, KJ, again, this is where the coaches come into play and they do a lot of work and we try to collaborate together, uh, personnel and coaches. I remember Gary Kubiak really liked KJ Osborne, uh, not only because he was a transfer from Buffalo that went to Miami of Florida and then seeing he had some return skills, uh, but he was built more like a running back and Gary was looking for a big slot receiver and uh, KJ had a lot of upside and I think he's still continuing to develop, but 
has won a lot of games for us and made a lot of big plays as a as a as a third option behind Thielen and uh, Justin. I'm looking at the the wide receivers drafted just before I mentioned Darnell Mooney. He's obviously had a, a good career so far. And then the next wide receivers drafted, Donovan Peoples-Jones has had some success in Cleveland. Quez Watkins has had some success in Philadelphia. James Prochet uh, along that path in, in Baltimore. So there were a lot of wide receivers drafted late um, that, that made an impact. All right, I want to ask you about Nate Stanley, the quarterback there you took in the seventh round. Now, we saw this draft with Tanner McGee, McGee, who came out of Stanford and was drafted by the Eagles. He doesn't fit athletically what the quarterbacks look like. I would imagine you would like the quarterback to, to fit where you're, what you're doing there. So Kirk Cousins and Nate Stanley, are you thinking he has a chance to win the backup job? Are you thinking we want him to run the scout team or are you just thinking, let's see what happens? Let's well, you're, you're hoping um, to that you, cause I think uh, who was our backup quarterback then uh, Sean, uh, that uh, was Mannion with, Mannion with, with Kubiak. So Nate was a guy that we wanted to kind of put on practice squad gotcha. and just kind of see how he developed. All right. Any of those picks stick out to you, like the day three picks that you thought was an absolute surprise in terms of how quickly they helped the team and, and maybe you didn't think it was that it would be that quick. Uh, you're taking a flyer on him. It works out one of those situations. Yeah. Josh Metellus probably didn't run as fast as the safe hard hitting safety out of Michigan. But he's became a, a really, really good special teams player. And even last year, when he had to start a couple games, he's these are the guys that if you got to play with them for three or four games, they hold up. They're not going to cost you games. But like I said, their value comes on special teams. And Josh Metellus, to me, is is one of the top special teams players in the league. No, that's an important point. I remember seeing him at the Senior Bowl uh, before everything shut down for COVID and thinking, okay, he's, he's just a guy. He's, he's doing okay. He's not doing great. But it's more than just a week of practice. It's more than just uh, running sprints at the combine. It, it's the, how does it fit in your offense or your defense in this case? How does he fit in the locker room? What type of person is he? And all those sorts of things. So th that, that's a, a perfect example of just that. All right, Rick, let's talk about some of these drafts that we liked. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, Go ahead. Thank you. I'm going to go, even though I'm a Steelers fan, the Baltimore Ravens. Hmm. And I think you could say that a lot. I would imagine you, you probably think historically the Ravens do a really good job of drafting people. Uh, Eric DaCosta obviously uh, has taken over and, and done a good job as well. They stockpile picks sort of like Rick Spielman does on day three. And uh, sometimes they move around. Sometimes they just draft these guys. So this draft, they took Patrick Queen, who we talked about as being a pro bowler and an all pro. J.K. Dobbins, who was off to a great start before he tore his ACL. Justin Matabuque, the interior uh, defensive lineman out of Texas A&M. We talked about Devin Duvernay, the punt returner, who was a wide receiver at Texas. Malik Harrison, who reminds me a little bit of, well, he, he's, he's more off-ball linebacker. Uh, but he's actually got more playing time than perhaps I, I thought he might. Tyree Phillips has, has got some playing time. He's since changed teams. Uh, James Prochet, who I talked about earlier, and then Geno Stone at the bottom there, the safety out of Iowa. It feels like Iowa's always producing offensive linemen and safeties, and Geno Stone uh, was a special teamer. So um, just looking at the list here, and I'll ask you these questions. You can tell me what you would do now. If you're sitting there at 128, which is where Patrick Queen was drafted, would you rather have Patrick Queen if you're the Ravens, T. Higgins, or Jonathan Taylor, who there's just two names who are also available? Um, well, they were able to get uh, Dobbins in the second round, which you may have went with Taylor not knowing that you're going to get Dobbins. Um, the only thing about Patrick Queen, who I think is a really good linebacker when he came out, is they didn't exercise his 50-year option, right. and they ended up trading for Roquan Smith. So um, there was, to me, there's a little bit of concern there, even though they're saying the right things coming out of Baltimore about they want Patrick Queen back, but they didn't exercise a 50-year option on him. Why wouldn't you exercise a 50-year option for someone with that much productivity do you think he wants too much money as a contract? Because you're paying, you just paid Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith is traded and paid Roquan Smith. How much money are you going to, not the player as much as how much money you're going to put into that position? The position, right. But why trade for Roquan Smith if you are saying out loud that you like Patrick Queen? You don't like him as much as you're saying? Is that what you're saying? I'm asking, is that one potential reason? Well, why don't you put your GM hat on for a change? And, and right. I'm asking you that. All right, here, I got it. Hold on. Yeah, I got this handy. Hopefully, hopefully Brenton's still watching. I found this the other day. 
Uh, we made some Brinson sucks hats a few years ago on the podcast, so that's what I'm wearing. So this will be my GM, my de facto GM hat. Uh, yes, that means Patrick Queen's agent. We like him publicly, but we want him to do more. What maybe he doesn't get along with teammates. I don't know. Yeah. So we got Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith is who we're rolling with. All right. J.K. Dobbins had the ACL. Justin Matabique. I thought he's a pretty athletic interior defensive lineman coming Very out. Athletic. Yeah. Um. And then I'll ask you this one, and we'll get to you guys. Devin Duvernay, I mentioned, went in the third, late in the third round. Um, would you rather have Devin Duvernay, all-pro punt returner, and contributes a little bit uh, offensively, or would you rather have Alex Highsmith? Because he was still available. Highsmith, you got to take the pass rusher okay. for this redo thing we're doing. Okay, fair enough. And Pete didn't even have – I'm looking at the grades here. He didn't have an A grade on what the Ravens did. But he had an A-plus grade – on the layup team you took, <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals. And that's because he had a love affair with Joe Burrow. I think he said Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert at different times were going to go to 25 Super Bowls, so he's got some work to do here. Um, there's very little to complain about with this draft, right? No. I mean, Joe Burrow and T. Higgins, they knocked it out of the park with their first two picks, and you get T. Higgins uh, in the second round was a big get. Logan Wilson is a very good football player out of Wyoming. Um you know, Davis Gather, uh, he was out of App State. He's uh, been a good special teamer, uh, backup guy. Kareem uh, actually has started some games. Again, all these guys have contributed one way or another. Uh, but the probably the best guy was the uh, Bailey, who ended up starting a lot of games for him. I think he's... Uh, so he start. He's played in forty three. Started in four games. Uh, another good special teamer backup. So they did a great job getting some depth that these guys, when they have to play, they can step in and they don't lose it. But they lose much from uh, just holding the fort down to the start, front liners come back. But I thought their first two picks were out of the park. Yeah, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, the first two picks. T. Higgins, um, you probably had. Did you guys have a first round grade on him, or was he a second round pick? Uh, I, we had him in the second round. That Is that he because was he was didn't run well as, as well? Um, you know, and we had him. We thought Ayuk was a little bit more gotcha. more athletic than Higgins yeah. was, but Higgins is a very good football player. Yeah, Higgins is a little bigger. Um, Ayuk only ran four five one, I believe, but he seemed to play a little faster than that. You mentioned Logan Wilson, linebacker out of Wyoming. Then Akeem Davis Gaither, also a linebacker, and then the Marcus Bailey pick in the seventh round, also a linebacker. I think that's one of those examples when looking back, you understand why they took three linebackers in the draft. But at the time, I would imagine some Bengals fans like, why are we taking so many freaking linebackers? Yeah, but a lot of it has to do with who's coming up, okay? Maybe he's not going to play his rookie year, but we also have three backup guys that we're not going to pay uh, and let go. So you're always not only drafting for the now, but you're trying to draft, trying to anticipate what your roster is going to look like a year or two from the draft. Right, and I think that's why, and everyone liked the Lions draft, although you said I hated it, I didn't hate the Lions draft. The Lions draft and the Seahawks draft were different than what people expected, but feel like really good drafts, especially when we talk about the first-round picks, and that's Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell for Detroit, and then Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba for Seattle. Those weren't necessarily the biggest needs for those teams, but you feel like those players can contribute right away. And uh, if you look at it in that, under that, light it, it makes a lot more sense also uh grades that prisco teams that uh drafts that team that prisco liked good lord i'll get it out in a second I mentioned the Bengals. he gave him the a plus in real time he gave the bears an a and the bears took cole Komet, jalen johnson the cornerback out of utah uh he's a good player travis gibson out of tulsa kendall vildor the cornerback out of georgia southern who i like coming out a little bit darnell mooney uh, i don't know if that's an a draft in retrospect We'll have to look and see what he would Pete graded them in the redraft. And then Pete also liked the Browns. What did the Browns do? Let's see here. The Browns, Jedrick Wills, Grant Delpit hasn't worked out the safety out of LSU uh, just because of injuries. Jordan Elliott, the defensive tackle out of Texas. Jacob Phillips, a linebacker out of LSU. Harrison Bryant, the tight end out of Florida Atlantic. So I think the redraft probably wouldn't be quite as high. Um, oh, excuse me. Brian, just, yeah. Just to chime in, uh, these are actually Prisco's redraft grades in what? 2023, which if, if that's confusing to you, take it up with Pete. 
All right, that is confusing. I thought these are your initial grades. Come on, Pete. That's I, I looked at all these teams and I was like, I, I was like, well, the Bengals the only one that made obvious sense to me. Why aren't the Ravens in here? Come on, Pete. All right, then I want to go through these quickly then because I I was just giving the benefit of the doubt. He has the Colts in here as a team that got an A. Uh, Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. That makes sense. Julian Blackman. He's contributed certainly as a safety. Uh, Jacob Eason, fourth round pick, cut. He's on his third or fourth team now, and then. Isaiah Rogers and Desmond Patton as later round picks who've gotten some playing time at cornerback and wide receiver respectively. I think Pete was probably drinking when he did this as I, as I go through these names. And finally the chargers, Justin Herbert, that's an, that's a layup. And, and again, I apologize to Justin Herbert because I missed on him. Joshua Kelly, the running back was in, in the fourth round. He hasn't gotten a lot of playing time. They continue to draft running backs uh, with each subsequent draft. I, I guess you give an A because of Justin Herbert. Kenneth Miller has been okay. He hasn't been, great or do you think he's been he's been better than patrick queen let me ask you that uh i I don't think so i think patrick queen was a pretty good football player yeah okay so take it up with pete if you're angry with him if not that's fine too all right under underperforming classes that we didn't like three years later i'm going to take the low hanging fruit here rick i'm going to take the one of the final draft classes from john gruden and mike mayock I i don't know if mike mayock would prefer me to give it all on john gruden or not but um, they had some curious draft classes during John Gruden's tenure. Henry Ruggs going 12th overall is not a surprise. He they like speed. There was some talk late that he might be the one of the first wide receivers um selected. He ended up being the first wide receiver taken. Uh he had some off-field issues. He got in a car accident that killed some uh, killed a woman. And um I don't know if it's been settled yet, but uh, he could potentially be be serving some 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 jail time. Damon Arnett, uh, an absolutely atrocious pick. I didn't think he was a first-round talent. Uh, last I recalled, he was waving a gun around on social media and making threats, and I think that's part of the reason he got cut. Uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., he was a fun player coming out of Kentucky, but there's no real position for him. He played wide uh, quarterback a lot his final year at Kentucky because of injuries, and that was fun to watch, but that obviously wasn't going to be his final position. Um, unpolished as a wide receiver, but had a lot of athleticism. Brian Edwards I thought was a pretty good pick. Tanner Muse, the safety out of Clemson. I didn't understand that pick in the third round. He is uh, – bounced around a little bit. He's no longer in Las Vegas. John Simpson might end up being the, the best pick of this class. Um, the guard out of Clemson, he's played a good amount. And Amik Robertson actually liked that pick coming out of Louisiana Tech, undersized cornerback plays in uh, in the slot. And uh, again, undersized, so sometimes he's uh, a mismatch problem, but I think he plays with an edge. Uh, but the first three or four picks, that just didn't work out for me. That said, Rick, you probably thought Henry Ruggs was going to go pretty high, right? Yeah, because he ran fast. Yeah, and right. Then Raiders have, are known to take speed anytime there was speed, and even when the Al Davis was running the team, speed was the number one priority for that team. Absolutely. In fact, they took oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. They took the wide receiver who went who out of Maryland, who was a burner. Uh, he played for the Steelers later in his career, mostly on special teams. Darius Hayward Bay. Darius Hayward Bay. Thank you. And that that to me was a surprise pick at the time. I don't know where you if you remember your thoughts on Darius Haywood Bay, but I would imagine you'd have him going top 15 or top 10 or wherever he went. Yeah. No, he 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 was a speed guy. I think he ran faster and everybody thought he was going to at the yeah. combine. All right, Rick, a team that you were unimpressed with, and this draft is a tough draft as well for them, the Tennessee Titans. And oh boy. So Isaiah Wilson, the tackle out of Georgia, got some late first-round buzz in the media. But, I mean, you talk about it all the time. You guys know more about these players than the media do. Did you have any concerns about Isaiah Wilson yes. off the field? There was, there was a lot of concerns. Okay. Was he a first round talent on the field? Uh, I thought he had upside. You know, if you just grade to take, he was the right tackle that was big, massive, very strong. So you can see what they saw in him with the potential yeah. to be as come in and be a starting right tackle with just the other things that got caught up with him. Christian Fulton, the cornerback out of LSU. I actually liked him a lot. Uh, he hasn't quite reached uh, expectations, but I don't think him going 61st overall in the second round is a stretch. It just hasn't worked out. Yeah, well, he's started 26 games. I think in 21 was his best year at a down year last year. Um, but he's in his career, four interceptions, 20 PBUs. 20, like I said, 21 was his best season. Um, so out of all of this, he was probably the best pick. Okay. As far as coming in and contributing for to a team. Darrington Evans, the running back, undersized out of App State. 
third round feels a little rich and it's easy to say now in the moment. I was like, okay, maybe they have some plans for him along with, um, uh, Derek, uh, Derek Henry, excuse me. And, and that offense sort of a bull and then a little guy that can to do sort of third down type things, but it just hasn't worked out. No, no. And I think, uh, his last team where he's, he's no longer with them. He think uh, last year he ended up in Chicago, so he's no longer with the team. Uh, Merchinson is no longer with the team. He ended up uh, with the Rams last year. McDonald never panned out zero games. And Chris Jackson uh, is the only one besides uh, Christian Fulton that is still with that, the team after this draft class. So, they only so have- right. Darrington Evans went to App State. Laurel Murchison went to North Carolina State defensive tackle. Cole McDonald went to Hawaii, the quarterback, and Chris Jackson, the safety, was from Marshall. So, you know, you talk about trying to hit the jackpot on day three, especially the sixth and seventh rounds. When you start drafting guys from smaller schools, that just makes it that much more difficult? As long as they have some kind of trait to develop. Okay. And that's where we used analytics. That's where we try to identify guys with traits that our coaches thought had that they can work with to try to develop. So a lot of times the scout, you know, has always said Saturday was the working man's day uh, in our first draft out in Vegas together when you wore a tie, which was embarrassing, but that was another. <laughs> Dress for the job you want, Rick. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but that was not a very good draft class. All right, so – Prisco and his redraft three years later, regraded the 2020 draft, gave the Lions an F. He gave the Titans a D minus. Man, he gave a lot of D minuses. I want to talk about one team in particular that gave a D minus. I want you to defend this. He gave the Detroit Lions a D minus. So that includes Jeffrey Kuda, who's battled injuries, has since been traded to Atlanta, the cornerback out of Ohio State. He was the third overall pick. We talked about that earlier in the redraft. DeAndre Swift, who has since been traded to Debo's Eagles. 35th overall in the second round, the running back out of Georgia. Julian Nakwara, the defensive end out of uh, Notre Dame. Jonah Jackson, who's actually had uh, a really good career yep. on the inside for Detroit, also in the third round. Logan Stenberg, depth on the interior out of Kentucky, offensive line. Quint Cephas, who, who's who's contributed a little bit. He's cut. He, uh, the receiver out of Wisconsin, he got cut up in the gambling thing this past offseason. Oh, so he just got cut a few weeks ago. Gotcha. And then um, that's about it. So D minus too rough or? Well, who's going to argue with Pete? <laughs> Devo, I know when, when Rick has nothing to say, he just doesn't, he do, doesn't want to divulge anything. He doesn't want to get his brother in yeah, trouble. They did get a good starting guard out of there. Yeah. Of course, well, had, had some pass rush. Swift was a good player. Um, Okuda for the third overall pick. It's, you almost think that was a bust as of right now. Uh, see if he can resurrect what, you know, because of the injuries and the durability, but we'll see how he resurrects his career if he does down in Atlanta. So, um, but uh, yes, I, I, I wouldn't give a D minus. I think some other ones were worse than that. Not that I studied them all, maybe a C minus. Well, Chris, you if you're listening, get a couple starters out of there. That's uh, at least worth a C minus. Chris, if you're listening, I gave you an A plus. I loved it. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. All right, that's it. That's a wrap can on. We get, uh, I, I hate that I'm asking this. I hate myself for it. Can we get one dad joke? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> the people have spoken. Some they do not want, want any it. dad jokes. In the meantime, and... I also wanted to correct Ryan. Inter Milan, not AC Milan. AC um, Inter. Kind of gotcha. tricky when they're in the. You know, semifinals versus each other. Inter Milan versus Man City on Saturday on CBS and Paramount Plus. Gotcha. Enter. Oh, there it is, Rick. Look at the screen. That's you. As happy as ever. <laughs> That's happier than when he drafted Justin Jefferson. I really is. That's insane. This guy loves him some dad jokes. All right, what do you got, Rick? All right, let me pull one out. What did the kangaroo say when her baby kangaroo was kidnapped? Uh, I've, I have no idea. Someone, please help me catch that pickpocket. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing at that? Because the baby kangaroos are in the pouch. Oh, I see. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Debo, you're fired. <laughs> Debo, what are we talking about Thursday? Or I mentioned earlier. I forgot. We're checking in on some rookies, how oh, yeah. they performed at OTAs and, and some mini camps across the league. So how they're performing at mini camps. Good. We can get Rick back on track. We don't have to fool him with any crazy podcast schemes uh, that are confusing. So, Rick, we're talking OTAs on Thursday. We're talking mini camps, taking a look at the rookies. So uh, hopefully you'll be able to contribute and, and not be too confused. And maybe, fingers crossed, we can talk about some things we watched together on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, if I ever get the right code. All right, Debo's on it. He said he's going to work on it right now as soon as we get off this thing. So we'll get out of here. That's it for episode 57. Thank you for joining us. Give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the old podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Thanks, as always, to my guy Rick. Thanks to you for producing, and we'll see you guys on Thursday. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.